So, Josh, you have a friend that just released a game, correct? Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So it's uh, the game is called uh, Twin Breaker, and it is a brick-breaking game like Arkanoid or Breakout, which is very interesting because nobody has those games anymore. You know, those are arcade games or early, like, uh, Atari games that people played. And I asked, I did ask him, and a lot of people have been asking him, you know, why are, did you make a brick breaker? He goes, because there aren't any brick breakers. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So he wants to be, like, if you want a brick breaking game, there you go. And the way that it's drawn is actually pixel art, and it's right. very different than what is kind of common today. Right. So pixel art is art, like, in the old Nintendo style, where you actually can see the individual pixels, and they like, create a character. A lot of times, I know it, you you know what it looks like. It's like little squares, and it's pretty cool, and it's a, it's, it is a lost art. So, like, today, a lot of games are what they call 2.5D, and a lot of people are like, well, what is that? So, what that is is, so I'll just take a character, for example, like Hollow Knight or in a game called Hollow Knight or any character that you are in the game. Everything is rendered in three-dimensional modern engine so it's easy to animate move do whatever they want with and then they flatten the image on a 2d plane so that's why it looks a little different i don't know if you've noticed that brian like if you i have noticed that just how they move and yeah um yeah how they animate it's real fluid um it looks great and it can be its own style that is awesome too but that the pixel art where they animate each pixel and then for every animation they have to animate that pixel there's not a machine or an engine that does it automatically and if there is it doesn't do the whole motion automatically they're always tweaking it and always changing it that is becoming more of a lost art because a lot of those people that created those early nintendo games and things like that those people are either not in the industry anymore or have unfortunately passed away so a lot of that knowledge is lost so today we want to talk about uh lost art forms or just things that we say, oh yeah, this is how it was and like kind of how it collides with reality today on Curiosity Continuum. Thanks for joining us today on Curiosity Continuum. And for those of you tuning in for the first time, Curiosity Continuum is a podcast and movement started by myself, Brian, and my friend Josh. We've been lifelong friends. We want to spark your curiosity and help you integrate information. And we enhance your everyday contextual awareness in a constantly changing world by sharing conversations with you that explore, examine, and reframe common practical topics. Today's episode is actually just talking about something that people probably have seen and know, but they don't actually understand maybe the change of the guard just because we've seen technology go one way and uh, we just assume that well that's kind of how it works so we're talking about the lost art of pixel art especially in games so when we uh before we went to the awesome theme song here we had <laughs> we had um we're talking about how there's a lot of talent there where there's probably institutional knowledge on actually how to render pixel art that isn't around anymore 
Right. I mean, and there's a lot of things that aren't around anymore, but we were we were touching on this. So we were touching on this idea of pixel art and we kind of went over what that idea actually is. But I wasn't um, 100 percent on where Brian wanted to take this. He said, let's record this because this was an interesting conversation. So how did you want to approach this, Brian? (laughs) So let's talk. I want you to talk about the technology differences like pixel art at one time was like the the like penultimate like this is really awesome right right you look at it and even like how you got from like nintendo to super nintendo you saw this jump of like what was resolution and things like that um people see it now it's like oh cool that looks so old school they'll say when it looks like pac-man or it looks like whatever but can you talk about some of the underlying technologies like why the change happened because you've seen kind of the evolution of how games are are built and rendered that's also changed the type of skill sets people need to build a game right and can you start like from we'll we'll take nintendo i mean a brick breaker obviously precedes it going back to like atari days but can you kind of talk about the innovations in gaming and why some of those changes happened sure so if you got to think way back think back to like the oldest type of video game you can you know of no one ever talked about like oh the graphics are so good or anything and the reason is these games were made to be, you know, a lot of them were made for arcades. So we'll start there in the arcades. They had limited power, processing power. They had limited colors they could display. And they had they had to have a way of animation. And so a lot of people understand animation is when you have multiple frames and you're moving something. Because you can do that, you know, with a pen and paper and a tablet. You know, you can make a little, you know, pad of paper. You can make a little animation. And I don't know if, I, I mean, you used to do that, Brian. I mean, we all did that, right? Yeah, to to a crappy degree for most of us. (laughs) But for those who went on, actually, like uh, Brian Gall, who's involved in uh, My Son's Life, especially as one of his uh, group leaders for his youth group and stuff like that, he works at a company called Traga Games, which is about 20 minutes from us, and they do uh, some of their own stuff, and he's an illustrator for them. So, And he's about our age, and he's kind of seen how uh, this has all kind of come around and changed as time goes by. Sure. So, and then getting back to the technology, so... The reason that technology was that way was because also the displays of the time. So the CRT, the cathode ray tube, the way it displayed images was a scan of lines across a screen, and it would just continuously scan the lines. And every line had, you know, so many, so much that it could display, right? So when we started figuring out how to animate like with a computer or how to make something appear on screen, it was easy just to make like one block light up. So then they thought, oh, I'm gonna put these certain blocks together and I'll make like an item or a guy or the whole background, you know? So it was easy for them to kind of think of how to make it because we didn't have all these PCs running, you know, AutoCAD and Photoshop (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, as the technology increased and people, you know, were getting into Nintendo days, and we're still doing it the same way because that's what the technology that they have. Then people started demanding, you know, as the technology grew, people started demanding more realistic art. I mean, that was the one thing like when we were kids, right, Brian? That everybody was like, oh, I want, I got from a Nintendo 6, you know, a Super Nintendo to a Nintendo 64. I wanted more realistic art. Yeah. So take a, take a moment because uh, a, a Nintendo was an 8-bit and then you had a 16-bit Super Nintendo. Yeah, so you and, double, you doubled. Okay, so you doubled the number of bits that could be displayed simultaneously. But what happened was they also like quadrupled the number of colors, or they they actually squared it by 16 because it was from like 16 colors to 256 colors <laughs> at, at a time. 
Okay. So, and even if you go back further, like with Atari and stuff, it was like four colors that they could display. So that explains some of the, probably some of the color choices, like you see, like, is it, here's the brick. Well, this is just like, like take Mario, for example, right? Like, that's probably why the bricks didn't change color until you went to another board and it reloaded, right? Like you're in the dungeon right. and you come out of it. Right. And part of that was because I think too, just our idea of what a game was. You know, mm, we had to have fair. these themes. If you were underground, of course it was going to be a different color than if you were above ground. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was kind of, that's part of the reason why this stuff is so revolutionary now when you look back at it because of how they thought about it. It was, that was just how it was. Yeah. Okay. So we jumped from 16 colors to 256 colors. Right. Right. And it's still rendered in, in pixel. Now I remember there's a game called Star Fox that came out that was a uh, uh, polygon animation. Yes. Now right? that is beginning. That was had to do with, now that game actually, this is like going to go deep, but that game actually had a special chip on the board in the game that allowed that animation to happen. Interesting. Because it wasn't uh, naturally allowed by the Nintendo hardware. So that was the beginning of the jump to a 3D animation style where that okay. that kind of polygonal animation. And then we really have Nintendo kind of t- almost taking a break from that for a while because there was this big kind of hoopla with Nintendo and Sony. And that's when Sony came out with the PlayStation. And that was all 3D rendered stuff. Interesting. You know, they took and they went into another direction. And the problem with 3D rendering was like a polygonal to a non-polygonal was not only are you making it look like 3D on the screen, but the storage capacity had to be much higher that you stored on media. So that's why we started going from cartridge based to like a CD based. I got it. Yep. Or even like a, uh, it was about that era in the early 90s when I would come over to your house and we would play like a, a King's Quest six, King's Quest five, something like that. Right. That was on floppy. Right. And they and would just, some of the, yeah. The computer at that time, that's where um, Brian's alluding to. That's kind of like where my wheelhouse was, was I was really into the computer, computer games at that time. And so like we didn't really, the, a lot of the stuff happening in the console realm was kind of like not really, I wasn't really focused on it as much, but that's what was happening. It was transitioning from a 2d sprite based pixel animation to a 3d polygonal animation okay yep so i know too like at the same time um there were a lot of games that were done it uh for pc more because apple at that time was uh it's still a closed ecosystem in some ways but people who understand apple today are like oh yeah look at all these millions of apps and people doing it i mean that was not what apple was operating from at the time apple was a very specialized product and it wasn't as it didn't have as much compatibility between platforms. Well, it had no compatibility. And they they made it that way. They're, they're a closed ecosystem. They still are today. If you don't play by their rules, you just don't play. So if you wanted to create a game for them, you had to follow a very specific pattern. And that's part of the reason why. And then they went more to the creative route, right? So that's why like schools kind of grabbed onto Apple more than... Also the ease of use and stuff like that. But they kind of grabbed onto Apple more than did... PC at first. When that happened too, and PCs are doing it, they give an open ecosystem. That's also too, a lot of times, like I remember you would tell me like the reason why, like I said, why do we need like these, these graphics cards? Like 
that can render so many different colors and this kind of thing. And outside of the creative realm, it was really games that pushed to the edge of where people wanted it. They wanted better looking content. They wanted bigger games. They wanted voice, all that kind of stuff, right? Right. I mean, everybody wants it to be better, look better, um, sound better, play better, be smoother, you know, a bigger, more engrossing experience. Because when you get something more realistic, you get kind of drug into that world more. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they wanted. You know, so that's where technology that, was taking them. Do you think that PlayStation was kind of that uh, that console that really helped change how oh, the arc yeah. of war gaming was? Oh, absolutely. And that is, without that happening, we wouldn't have this dichotomy shift of these hyper-realistic games today. Interesting. Because that okay. went that went that way, and Nintendo kind of went, they still went that way for a while, especially if you look at, like, Nintendo 64. So, I mean, that that's polygonal gaming. That's all, all 3D gaming in there. There are some games that are sprite-based games and stuff like that, but that's just where they went, you know? That can, was their Can arc. you describe what a, a sprite-based game is for people who don't know? Yeah, that's a 2D animation with, like, pixels okay. or without pixels, but mainly with pixels usually. The sprites are always, like, the things that are moving on screen. I got it. Okay. So it's like if you have... Um, Let's talk about the old technology. So if you have a CRT TV that's projecting this, right? Right. And you have something moving across, it's like those particular pixels are the one that, that has to kind of refresh and reload, right? Well, it reloads it, everything all the time. And that's why you would get like burn in sometimes on the back of a static image. Mm-hmm. But only what's moving does it change. Yep. I got yeah. it. Yeah. So with that also too, like I think about these kind of things, um, there are games now that if you still find the old artifact hardware, like for Nintendo and things like that, with there's obviously a large retro gaming community and stuff, there's actually a, a technological difference when you have a CRT-based television and something like a light zapper from the Nintendo or like the Super Scope from Super Nintendo. Right. And people use an LED thing and they're going, why doesn't this work? It's right. because the technology has completely changed about how it's correcting right. for the... Right. The old, like, uh, I'll just give a real primer quick, like old light zapper games, you, they need a CRT because they use uh, the scanning technology of the CRT. They're actually reading which pixel it light up when you fire. But like with an LCD screen, that's rendering the image all at once X number of times a second instead of each line of the image. I got it. So when you fire a light zapper at an LCD screen, it can't register it because... It doesn't understand what you're, what it's trying to read because it's not reading a line. It's reading the entire screen. Right. Right. So that's really interesting, man. Yeah. What, what, so now we, we fast forward and we have, especially like uh, Hollow Knight was a game that Josh got me interested in and I love him and hate him for getting <laughs> me involved in that game because it sucked me in for a while. And this is a guy who um, games have been part of my life but not nearly as deeply as josh and when he pulled me into that it really hit all the nice nostalgia triggers and it's a beautiful game from a, a visual and a a, a story a, a visual it, it a soundtrack you, yeah it really the soundtrack, does play in well it, the soundtrack is special and if you haven't played that game um the soundtrack you can just get the soundtrack in fact it's on spotify oh you, cool you can listen to it it's a beautiful soundtrack yeah it's a nice mood thing, especially if you're working working remotely from home these days. Yeah, like to be able yeah, to, pl- <laughs> to just play and <laughs> go do. So Hollow Knight, um, you said it was only just a, a couple of guys, I think, right? Yeah, I that think were- uh, Hollow Knight is uh, a team of like four people now, or three okay. people. 
Got it. And right now we have the technology to be able to publish it. Wrapping it back around now to um, Twin Breaker, right? Mm-hmm. Where this is Brick Breaker now and it's pixel art that's um, at the forefront again. You know, do we... Some of the techniques, obviously, we have to probably change how we would even do it because the monitors have changed and things like that. So It all looks like, the same, though. And, and the does. process of doing it is the same. Okay. So I know they have made some... I mean, I'm not a game developer by any means, but I know they have made some um, modern tools to help kind of make things, you know, because they're like retro is a style now. Right. You know, in retro art, retro... Because, I mean, there is a retro gaming community and... Sometimes that's enough to bring people into a game if it says, oh, made in a pixel art style. It's enough to bring somebody in that would not might not have tried it. Hmm. And sometimes it's not. I think it really has to do with the individual person, obviously. I gotcha. Yep. But it's nice to see uh, pixel art kind of still around. Like some pieces of technology, you'd look at it now like, what in the world is that thing? You know, like a telegraph. You know, you don't see like telegraphs. Oh, yeah, just in case everything breaks down, we got our telegraph over here and we're good. You know, <laughs> right. there's, there's not really those those examples anymore of like that kind of stuff. But in this kind of thing, it's interesting. I think especially for for folks our age, they're looking back to go like, man, I really miss that kind of stuff. And, you know, I've seen the progression of it, but it's almost like returning to something familiar. You have, yeah, yeah. And you have to be creative within a, a tighter construct because you don't have all the options. It's like you're actually forced to be creative in, in kind of a different way now because you're limiting your tool set. Yeah, and I think what's important to notice is like, I don't think people want old, like all people don't want the old games again, you know, but they want the style of the old game because they do want, like this game is, is very modern in the way that it's presented and it's very modern in the way that it plays, even though that it's an old type of style game. It just happens to be made in a, a visual style and I think uh, that's a, something very similar, like Minecraft, for example. That's like 3D pixel art. That game. If that's you, true. If you think yeah. about it, that's what it is. It's polygonal pixel art, and it looks like you know 3D Legos. A lot of people say it, but that's what it is. But there are very modern constructs of gaming running underneath that. And, oh, absolutely. You know, and it's it's a very complicated system. So I think if you would have made that game, you know, in the NES days, it would maybe look similar but there was there's no way i could play that way right i think of tetris (laughs) you know it's like and you know minecraft is that extrapolated out how many exponential and tetris is is a pixel art game so if you know what you that's an example you know yeah that's what i think also too though like if when you say it's a block like -hmm. people understand how to how to use a block right you know if it's something like um the the most recent legend of zelda title where it's an open world and you can kind of do whatever. It's a humongous playground and what a feat as far as a game is able to accomplish is what it's able to do. But that's a lot overwhelming to a lot of people. I think like it's a block. It's even overwhelming to me when I played it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, giving people something to kind of latch onto, I think it's a nice portal in to introduce them to a game or something else like that too. It's like going, oh, I can understand this or it makes people feel confident that they can interact with it and have fun. Right. I agree, Bri. Uh, I think it's a good place to put a comma in the conversation here. And if you want to receive updates when uh, new content like this is available, please be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you can receive notifications when there's something new to listen to. We appreciate you. And as always, you can find us on curiositycontinuum.com and our social media accounts. So until next time, 
This is Brian. And this is Josh. For Curiosity Continuum. Thank mm-hmm. you.